0: My question for you last week, and actually we're gonna kind of continue this this week. What are the things in your life preventing you from taking a step forward? What are, the, what are the things in your life that are preventing you from being the man or the woman of God that God has called you to be? What are the ships that are floating the excuses in your life for not stepping forward? It takes courage to burn the ships. It takes courage to burn the boats. There's something about removing the safety nets. There's something about removing plan B that gives you that extra push to step into the things that are on your heart all along. I'll do a, let me just do a quick review, then we'll get into some new content. The, the first boat that we talked about last week, we need to burn the boat of the past. And actually, this was the only point I made last week. We just, we just stayed here on the past. So many people are paralyzed for moving forward because of things they did or things they didn't do that they wish they had done, or because of things that were done to them. These all happened in the past. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, 13 through 14, the Apostle Paul, he says this. He says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me, I strain towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In this, we, we talked about last week how that's forgetting about... The bad, it's forgetting about the ugly. And even in context here, what Paul's talking about, he even in that context talks about a lot of good things that were in his past that he even left those behind. Sometimes um, it's not just the bad things and the ugly things that happen to you, sometimes it's the successes of your past that you wish you still had that prevent you from living today and preparing for tomorrow. In fact, I read this, I read this scripture. Last week, it bears repeating. It's so good. Ecclesiastes 7.10. It says this. Don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. So many people are just, they live their lives, wish, oh man. Um, It's either regret for things they did or things um, that they wish they did. But some people, it's actually the successes of the past. I wish I could just go back. I wish I could be in that season again. I was so great. It says here, it's not wise to long for the good old days. Why? Because if you are longing for the good old days, you're not living in your fullness of what God has for you today. And you're not preparing for what God has for you tomorrow. It's not wise. Okay? And listen, it's okay to, it's okay to look back and reflect on and you know, whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. And remember the testimonies of God. Remember the amazing things he did. Nothing wrong with that. But we just don't want to camp there and live there. We want to live today and be preparing for tomorrow. Amen? Okay. So I really honed in on the failures of the past and how God sees those failures. I talked about how when when God forgives us, he he doesn't actually see those failures anymore. As far as the east is from the west, so far I have removed your transgressions from you, right? Um, Though your sins be... Um, red as scarlet, I, they will be made as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I'll make them white as wool. Okay, that's how God sees your sins once you come to faith in, in Christ Jesus. He removes our sins from us. And no, he doesn't see your sin, he sees you as righteous. So I talked about that the failures of the past, not staying stuck in the successes of your past. One thing I didn't really hone in on, and I want to hone in on this week, is the offenses of the past the things that were done to us. So this is going to bring us to point number two, boat number two, and uh, we're actually going to just camp on this boat for the rest of this sermon. It happened again, guys. I started preparing this message. I'm going to make a few points, and then this one just became longer and longer. I'm going to just camp on the boat of unforgiveness. We need to burn the boat of unforgiveness. This is huge. Like, this is huge in the Christian life. Unforgiveness... Can, can keep you bound, okay? And actually, I wasn't even gonna make this one of the boats in the sermon. I was like, I ah, get it, you know? <laughs> and I actually really felt like um, God confirmed this through a couple people this week that we needed to focus on burning the boats of unforgiveness in our lives. And through a couple circumstances that had just happened this week, and I was like, I really think God's highlighting this. I think God's highlighting this as a church for us this week, the boat of unforgiveness, we need to burn it. When I bring up um, the issue of forgiveness, there are three categories of people that are in this room. And all three categories have been offended because everyone's been offended. And if, because offenses are inevitable. If you are here in this world and you are breathing, offenses are inevitable, they will happen. Some people are so shocked when it's like, they go through life, and like, I can't believe they offended me. It's like, if you went through life and never got offended, I'd be like, I can't believe you're not offended ever. Like, things happen, guys. Like, people are gonna cut you off. You're gonna walk down the wrong hallway and the security's gonna stop you. Like, you know what I mean? You gotta remember, they're just trying to keep your kids safe. You know, things happen in life and people get offended. It's just, it's, it's a thing that happens. But category number one is when I, when I mention forgiveness, there's a group of people, you know immediately that there's a person or persons that you need to forgive. Immediately, there's a face that popped into your mind. You know exactly who I'm talking about. And that one's pretty obvious to you. Okay, so if you're in that category, I'm talking to you today. Second category of people that are here is there's a group of people that, they don't necessarily walk around bound up with unforgiveness. It's not like on their radar all the time. But it might rear its ugly head from time to time. Let me give you an illustration. Have you ever been hurt by someone you thought you forgave them, and then you're like, "I'm good. My heart's good. I move forward," and then you like run into that person. You know. By the way, this is not an example that I thought maybe would apply to you. This is an example that has applied to me before. Okay. <laughs> I thought, I, and you're like, what's, you know, you leave talking to that person. You're driving home, and you're like, "What's going on?" There's something oh no, <laughs> I guess there's something still here I need to work through, there's something still here I need to deal with, right? And it wasn't on my radar all the time, but when I run into that person or I'd run into them, all of a sudden, I'm, you, know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? Does this make sense to you? Okay, so it doesn't bother you all the time, you're not like bitter all the time, but if you, you know that if there was a certain person that you ran into, something would happen in your heart, okay, you know what I'm talking about, okay. <laughs> I remember years ago. I, I've told this story before, but um, I had never had a, uh, a Sozo, which is an inner healing ministry that that we actually offer here at the church. And um, <coughs> I remember years ago, I, I never had one, and I had a dream that that um, I'm standing in my backyard, and Pastor Bill, who's the director of uh, Freedom uh, Sozo Freedom Steps, he can see into my backyard, and I was really embarrassed because in my backyard there's like some rubbish. There's some trash, and I'm trying to kind of clean up. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry about all this, and then I wake up from this dream, and I'm like, oh no, there's something in my back. There's something in my inner life, my personal life, like that I'm not seeing or I'm not dealing with. So I call him up, and I'm like, I think I need, I think maybe I need a sozo. I think the Lord's like showing me I need to get a sozo. So we met, and I and I did a sozo. I did an inner healing session. And there were actually people in my life, this came up in my inner healing session, there were people in my life that I didn't know about, that they weren't on my radar, that came up that like, oh, I guess I I haven't fully released them. I haven't fully canceled the debt in my heart. I need to forgive them from my heart. So there's a a couple people that, that that happened for. I actually fully released them. This is several years ago. So it's not on your radar all the time, but if you were honest, maybe there's one or two people that if you saw them, it would bother you. Okay. And by the way, when you see those people, you run into them, those are divine appointments. So I think sometimes we think like, when we run into someone, like, ooh, that was a divine appointment. God's going to do something cool. That's a divine appointment too when you run into something and like something in your heart gets exposed. Because God wants you to be free. He wants you to work through that. And so... Don't just embrace the good God moments, like where I prayed for someone that got healed, that was awesome, you know? God, oh man, we had this huge need, you know, God came through financially, yay, God, God moment, divine appointment, you know, those are so cool. These are actually divine moments many times as well. When you run into that person that you have an issue with, you just want to avoid them, maybe God's saying, maybe you need to deal with this, okay? So look at those as divine appointments. Okay, so the third category of people and I hope this is a lot of people here. I hope this is most people here. You've been offended, but you have been very diligent in your life to be clear, clear of all offense. You've been very diligent in your life. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23, it says this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. One of the ways we guard our heart is by not letting offenses get a stronghold in our life. Okay? Okay. Don't let offenses get a stronghold in your life. It's like, it's springtime, right? How many have gardens, yards? No one has gardens. You can raise your hand. It's okay. (laughs) It's interaction. It's a full contact church here, you know? I've been working in my yard lately and there's weeding that needs done. And, right, you gotta pull weeds, you gotta mow. Like, you have to tend to it. If you just leave it, it looks like my neighbor's yard. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not bitter or anything, but I did plant some trees to block, you know. So anyway, uh, <laughs> it takes some stewardship, right? When, when you have a garden, you have a yard, you have to work at it to, to, to uh, make sure that it's clear of weeds and it's, it's cultivated, right? Our hearts are the same way. We can't just go through life like getting wounded, letting things happen to us and never like address things, right? Your heart is like a garden. You have to let, let God get in there, let him help you get the rocks out, get the weeds out, water it, right? Get some good soil in there. He wants to help you with this. I want a church full of people in category number three. Offenses are inevitable, they will come, but I want a church full of people who are diligent about not letting offense take a hold in their heart, quickly forgiving, quickly getting help, quickly going to God, moving past it so that we can be free, okay? We are a new church. I just want to say something as a new church. We're a little over a year old. And when you start a church, you get a lot of people to come. And many of you came here very healthy. You came here like, God called us here. I was talking to um, someone the other day. They left the church they were a part of, but... They weren't unhealthy. It was like God just called them to be part of our church. They didn't leave because they were offended or anything like that. In fact, the pastor was like, What did happen? Is there anything I could do? What's going on? I'm like, no, God, God's just calling us you know, somewhere else. No, no offense. Nothing wrong there. Okay? So many of you came here like that. You came here healthy. Or you didn't have a church, you got our mailer, and like, I'm going to go check this church out, and here you are. But if you're honest, there probably are some of you here. You're here, but your last church hurt you, right? (laughs) Right? Your last church hurt you. And by the way, it's kind of inevitable that your church will hurt you too. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say this ahead of time. If you're new to this church, we're probably going to hurt you at some point. (laughs) The security's going to yell at you. They're nice. They're nice. I'm going to say something you don't like. My wife will, I don't know, make a bad joke. I don't know. (laughs) No, I'm more likely to make the bad joke, really, and think that it's good. We're going to probably offend you eventually, too. But if God has called you here, my, my encouragement to you is be diligent about stewarding your heart. Go to the person that, is, that you're offended with, right? Jesus says actually go to people. Be diligent about going to people and saying, hey, what you did hurt me. Can we talk about this? And get getting healed. Hey, Amen. that's good. Don't just, like, bury it. <laughs> but if you're in category number one, where I just said, hey, there's someone you need to forgive, and and you know exactly who that person is. I'm glad you're here, but let's get healed. I hope you're getting healed, and let's move forward so that we can shine, so that we can be light in the city. Offenses are inevitable, but we wanna be diligent to forgive. Okay, so before we get into how to forgive, I want to tell you why it's so important that we do forgive. Carrying offenses, here's why. Carrying offenses will absolutely limit what God can do in your present and in your future. When you carry that offense towards someone, it will absolutely limit what God can do in your present and in your future. And I don't want to be limited by anything, and I don't want you either to be limited. You might even think, oh, you're good. You know, that category number two. It's like, you're kind of offended at someone, but I'm good because they're over there. You know what I mean? And I just want you to know, you might, it might be more visible than you think it is. Right? <laughs> like, You might be wearing that a little bit more and people around you can see it. It's like if you walked in the church and you had a limp, people would be like, what's wrong with your leg? Like, there's nothing wrong with my leg. Yeah, you're limping. What's wrong with your leg? You know, some of y'all are limping, so you need healed. Okay. (laughs) So it's super important that we get healing. People who work in like inner healing types of ministries like Sozo or those kind of things, they will tell you there are a number of things there are a number of things that can bring oppression into people's life, like, like demonic influence. There are a number of things that can bring demonic influence into people's lives. Um, but there are three predominant things that usually continually rise to the surface of things that bring people under the influence of oppression. I'll give you the three. Number one, unrepentant sexual sin, particularly uh, sexual perversion, tends to open people up to be messed with by the enemy, to be oppressed. The second one is um, drug use, um, particularly um, psychedelic and hallucinogenic drugs, opens people up to the demonic realm, more than, more than many things. And the last one, the third, the third one, that the people who work in inner healing ministry will see more than anything that opens people up to uh, negative influence in their life is the issue of unforgiveness resulting in bitterness. That is like, like it's up there in those two categories, unrepentant sexual like perversion, and drug use, hallucinogenic drug use like forgiveness is up there with it that constantly comes up that people need to deal with obviously there, there are others but these three tend to rise to the top over and over and over the reason why Jesus dealt with this subject so much in the Bible is because Jesus wants you free Jesus wants you free okay? he doesn't he didn't just say like forgive because so he, he wants to be hard on you and make life hard he wants you to be free Right? If you're holding offense, you're not free. I've said this before, um, but this is a quote. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison expecting the other person to get hurt. Can you imagine that? You're like, I'm gonna take a drink. This is poison. I'm offended at that person right there. I'm putting my wife. I'm not really offended at you, but I love you. You're like, ooh, I'm offended at that person. I'm gonna drink this poison because I'm gonna hurt them. Right? That's what unforgiveness is like. It's like drinking poison, expecting the other person to get hurt. Here's another quote. To forgive is to set a prisoner free uh, free and discover that prisoner was you. To forgive is to set a prisoner free only to discover that that prisoner was you all along. There's a few reasons why people don't want to forgive. Many times people don't want to forgive because the offense is seemingly offering something to that person. It's like giving them, you know, many times when you're offended, you feel a sense of powerlessness. But if I hold them in contempt, if I hold them in judgment, like I'm, I'm, I'm exercising some type of power over someone, right? Sometimes it's offering something to the person, giving them some kind of consolation that they think they have, because people don't, listen, to feel powerless is a terrible feeling, right? I don't like to feel powerless. I want to feel powerful. But listen, it's actually more freeing and more powerful to release and to forgive than to hold someone in, in judgment. Another thing that we don't, we don't um, deal with, it's, it's actually easier to mourn a season that could have been. Like, I'll give you an example. If you were raised and you're, you had a terrible father, you could live the rest of your life angry at him, and that's kind of easy. We do anger. We're good at anger. We're not so good at just mourning a season and saying, okay, that's what should have been. It wasn't. Mourning that, forgiving that, and letting it go. Because the anger actually feels more powerful, doesn't it? It feels more powerful to be angry than to mourn, forgive, and release. But it's actually more powerful to mourn, forgive, and release someone. Amen? Okay. So, unforgiveness can have the appearance of a security blanket, but it's actually the security blanket that's smothering you. It can have the appearance of walls because walls protect us, and I'm powerful because I have walls up. I'm so protected by these walls I have up, right? But really what you're doing is you're boxing yourself in and you're isolating yourself. It's actually hurting you. And there's people who have, they've had deep bitterness and unforgiveness for so long. Many times they don't even know what their life would look like without this offense. Like it's become part of their identity almost. Like there's some people, they're so offended, so deeply bitter forgiving to them, it's like burning the ships of their identity because I'm that person who was hurt by them, like that's part of their identity and they live their life bitter they live their life hurt and so when you ask people to forgive it's like, wait a minute, I'm letting go of me, I'm letting go of who I am sometimes bitterness and unforgiveness can go that deep that's why it can be so hard to burn the boat of unforgiveness, they don't know, people don't know many times, who would I be without this pain because I identify with the pain, that's my identity right, you don't need that stuff, come on have you ever asked someone a question, you're like, tell me, um, tell me about yourself. And all they tell you is their wounds. Like, tell, tell, me, tell me about you. And they're like, wound, 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 wound. And I'm like looking for testimony. It's like, okay, you know, if, if, if you talk to someone and their testimony is wound, 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 and there's no victory in it, it's like, okay, that's your testimony for now, but you're still on the wrong side of victory. The right side of victory is wound, but God, wound, but God set me free. Wound, but God did this. He's amazing, he's good, he's working my life. That's a that's a that's a testimony on the right side of victory. Okay? You might have a testimony on the wrong side of victory. Wound, 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 with no with no God, God, God. Okay. So that's okay. If you're on the wrong side of victory, that's okay. But let's get you on the right side of victory. Okay, I'm gonna give you four keys to walk in forgiveness. Key number one: receive God's love. And forgiveness. You know, when you have to receive God's love and forgiveness for yourself, you cannot give what you don't have. If you can't receive God's love and forgiveness, you can't give God's love and forgiveness. Many times we're not good at giving love because we're not good at receiving love, okay? Jesus said this in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. That the Pharisees asked him, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all with all your heart, minds, and soul. Actually I read that out of order. That's okay. They're all three there. Your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. In other words, he said, This is the greatest priority in life. Have a love relationship with God. Okay? First commandment. First priority, have a love relationship with God. Your second is like it. In other words, you know those fountains that they fill up on the top and then they overflow. And then they overflow, right? They fill the next level. We have to prioritize loving the Lord God with all our heart, mind, soul, strength so that we have an overflow to give to other people. So I think we're trying to like, love people without having received love first. This is why, as a church, we have such a high value and such a high priority for praise and worship because we want to experience God's love. This is such a big deal for us because we know if, if you're experiencing God's love and forgiveness, you have something to give away when you leave this place, okay? But if you can't, um, it's hard to love others if you don't love yourself. He says this, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the prophets hang on these two commands. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't have a love for yourself, you're not receiving God's love, you don't have anything to give anyone else, okay? So key number one, you need to be good at receiving God's love and forgiveness. Key number two is that you need to choose forgiveness. Now I realize this sounds cliche and shallow, but I use the word choose for a reason. Forgiveness starts with a choice. It doesn't start with a feeling. Okay, forgiveness starts with a choice. If you wait till you feel like forgiving people, you probably never will. But if you just say, I'm making a choice to forgive, listen, the feelings, the emotions will actually follow later. Let me ask you a question. Is, is love a feeling or is love a choice? Love is a choice. Love involves feelings and emotions, but love at its core is a choice. God chose you. You choose to make vows to your spouse on your wedding day. Okay? If you live your life like, we fell in love, now we're getting married. Listen, if you fell in love, you can fall out of love. Now there's nothing wrong with falling in love, but at some point you need to choose that person. Because if you chose to love them, you have to choose not to love them to fall out of love. Okay? Love is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. The feelings and the emotions will follow later on. Okay? All right, key number three: keys to walking in forgiveness. Key number three is obey. I love teaching on that we're friends of God. I love teaching that we're lovers of God, we're children of God, we're the bride of Christ, we wanna do more teaching on that in the future. But sometimes we just need to like view him as like Lord. <laughs> He's Lord, you know what I mean? Sometimes, don't, we never really, like we, we learn about these other facets of our relationship with God, like I'm the bride of Christ, I'm a children, you know, child of God, you know? We learn about those other facets, but we really actually, I don't think we ever quite graduate from him just being Lord, him being master, Right. And, and masters just need to be obeyed. Look at this in Luke chapter 17, verses three through five. Jesus said this, if your brother sin or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. By the way, there are other scriptures that say whether they repent or not, you should still forgive them. But anyway, verse four, even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Look at, look at this, verse five. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And Jesus tells the apostles, okay, so Jesus tells the apostles, you need to forgive. And they're like, yes, that's good. We probably should. It's good advice. Sounds good, you're right. And he's like, "Um, if someone sins against you seven times in one day, and they come back and ask forgiveness sometimes, you still need to forgive them. And then they're like, we're gonna need more faith. (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna need more faith for that. I got it if I need to forgive someone. But seven times one day, they're going to come back seven times. I need more faith. Listen to Jesus. We're going to need more faith for that Jesus. Watch a Jesus' response here. Luke 17, 6 through 10. He says, okay, I'm just, this is the Bible, just the Bible, okay? John, uh, Luke 17, 6 through 10. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Kind of interesting when you read that mustard seed in context here, isn't it? Talking about forgiveness here. Then he says this, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down and eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready to wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? Verse 10, so you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, Should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Okay, I don't know how to sugarcoat this. I tried, I tried to put sugar on it. I can't sugarcoat it. It's just saying, listen, he told you to forgive. We just need to obey sometimes. Just obey. Make the decision to obey. The emotions, the feelings will follow. Jesus is like, you don't need more faith. You don't need more faith. You just need to obey. You need to obey me. Do what I said, okay? Again, I can't sugarcoat that, but I promise you, There's abundant life on the other side of releasing people. It's about receiving more life, amen? Okay, last key to walking in forgiveness. Number four, if you're still stuck, get some help, okay? Don't just go through life like, I'm bitter, I can't do this, I can't forgive. Listen, if you're stuck, get some help. James chapter 5, 16, it says this, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Okay, that's physical healing, but it's also emotional, spiritual healing, right? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Okay, where can you get some help? Because listen, as a church, we want you, we want you to shine. We want you to be free. Um, for starters, every week after service, we have prayer counselors up here that would love to pray with you for not just this, but for anything going on in your life. But also, I wanna just mention this. If you go to our website, citylights.church, um, go ahead and put up that picture. There's our, uh, the front page of our website. If you go to the ministries tab and drop down, there's a prayer, a prayer tab you can click on. You can um, sign up for soaking prayer. Soaking prayer is a time where you are soaked for one hour in Holy Spirit-led prayer by a team, okay? And we do, this is available every Sunday after church, but it's by appointment. And so I just say, if you're, if you, this is, you're stuck, you need, you need help getting through something, and again, this doesn't, this doesn't have to just be a forgiveness issue too, there can be anything going on in your life, if you're stuck, I encourage you to go to our website and sign up um, for Soaking Prayer. That's by appointment. Um, also, at that same tab, if you go to the prayer, the prayer tab, you can click on there, you can, you can sign up to get a sozo. Um, there are people, we don't want you to just go through life and not have help. We want you to go through life forgiving and releasing and con- constantly making this decision to move forward. And then the last thing I want to say, um, the next slide, um, if you go to our website under connect is city groups. And being in relationship with other believers is super important because other people see your blind spots. We all have blind spots. I don't know if you know this, right? We all have blind spots, but when we're in a relationship with other people who can speak into your life, and by the way, let people speak into your life. Don't get offended at people just for speaking in your life, right? Let people speak in your life. So go to, if, you want to, if you're not part of a city group, go to, go to there and, and look at our city groups, browse them, and, and join a city group. Get in relationship with other believers who can hold you accountable to this, who can help pray for you. Like, okay, let's pray for this. What are the lies you're believing so that you can't get past this, you can't release this? What are the things you need to get through so that you can move forward? Amen? Okay. <clears throat> Why do we offer all this? We offer prayer up front. We offer soaking prayer. We ha- we're connected to a ministry that, um, we partner with a ministry that does sozo. Why do we offer all this? We offer all this because we want to be a church that is free. We want to be a church that shines, that isn't bound up in the things of the past, right? Okay. <clears throat> so to kind of wrap this up, I'll, I'll just say one other thing. There's obviously more on the subject of, of forgiveness Let me say a couple things that forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not saying what the person did was okay. It's not saying what was was okay. And it doesn't always mean that you're gonna be back in a restored relationship. I think God's heart is that, yes, relationship would be restored. But sometimes you have to forgive someone, but that doesn't mean you let them back in either, okay? Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness has set you free, okay? So that's a couple things. I just wanna say that. So people might think I have to forgive and then, get back in that um, dysfunctional, unhealthy relationship. No, (laughs) don't. But you do have to forgive and move forward, okay? There's one other person I haven't mentioned that you might be needing to forgive, and that person is possibly yourself. I think sometimes if, critical people are usually 10 times more critical of themselves in their own heart. You ever been around a critical person, you're like, man, that person's hard to be around. They're probably 10 times that critical in their own heart. People tend to hold themselves in more judgment than actually even other people. What I want to say about that is in John chapter 3:20 it says this, if our heart condemns us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Sometimes your heart will condemn you. That thing you did, that, wow, you're so stupid. Sometimes that's the devil. Sometimes that's your own heart condemning you. My wife and I have done ministry for a number of years, and we've had people come, and like, I came, but, like, I don't know, I felt judged by everyone. I'm like, no, we weren't judging That was your heart judging you. <laughs> you know, that was either the devil or your heart. We don't, we're not judging you, okay? Like, sometimes it's people's hearts condemning them, alienating them, and, and judging them, okay? The Bible says that even when our hearts condemn us and say guilty, sometimes your heart will say guilty, God is greater than our hearts. Let me give you an example of this. If, if you owed the bank money, which most of us do because we have a house, right? Um, if, you, if you owed the bank money, let's say you, own the, you, owe, you owe the bank $100,000, and that's a debt that you owe the bank, and the president of that bank comes along and he says, I'm gonna forgive this debt. I wanna eliminate it. I wanna wipe it away. Okay, it's, it's gone. If you then go into the bank and the teller up front is like, we both know that you didn't deserve (laughs) to get that debt eliminated. Who do you think you are? You you probably still owe it, you know what I mean? Listen, does it really matter what the teller is saying if if the president of the bank forgave your debt? It doesn't matter. Because the highest authority said forgiven. It doesn't matter what anyone below that says after that. Right? It doesn't matter what the enemy says, it doesn't matter. What other people say, it doesn't matter. What your heart says, the higher authority said, "Forgiven," from the top down. The highest authority, even when your heart condemns you, He is greater than our heart. Amen. So I just want to, I'll pray over you, and uh, and then we'll close here. Father, I thank you for every individual in this room. I pray, God, that we be a church that walks in forgiveness, Lord. That we be a church that um, releases, forgives. Help us with this, Lord. We ask for your help. Maybe not more faith. (laughs) We ask for your help, though, Lord God. Help us to walk in forgiveness. Help us to walk free. You want us to be free, God, from every, um, every judgment that we hold over other people, including the judgment of ourselves, Lord. And maybe you're also here and you have a judgment against God. And you need to know something. God is not the thief. God loves you. He has an amazing plan, purpose, and destiny for you. And so maybe some of you here also need to forgive God for some things, some expectations that were unmet. And so um, I, just bless, I, give, I just bless you and ask grace to release, even, even holding God in judgment for things that you thought were going to work out differently. So we just pray that grace right now over everyone here. In Jesus' name.